Hey, I'm Bruce Weinstein, and this is the podcast Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and together, Bruce and I have written 35, our writing now, the 36th cookbook, including the Instant Pot Bible and Instant Pot Bible, the next generation <laughs> that I wanted to call the New Testament, the next generation, two books that are written for every size of Instant Pot in every recipe. And you know, given that, that we love gadgets. So we're going to be talking about a particular gadget that is coming fast to every kitchen. We're going to have, of course, our one-minute cooking tip. We're going to talk about a TikTok trend that seems to have gone completely viral. And we're going to end up with what's making us happy in food this week. So let's get started. Today, I want to talk about induction cooking. Yeah, see, there's the gadget. Induction burners. Yeah. You may have heard the term, but chances are, if you're just a home cook, you probably have never used it. You may not know what it is. So let's start with it. Mark, what is an induction burner? Well, the most important thing you should know is that induction burners heat by magnetism, not by the transfer of heat. And Bruce and I actually had a lot of work with uh, induction burners when we taught on Holland America cruise ships. Because you can imagine, we were doing cooking classes on cruise ships all over the world, and you can imagine that you can't have an open flame on a cruise ship. It's bad. It's bad news to put amateurs in front of open flames in hands-on cooking classes on a rocking uh, cruise ship. So the cruise ships all used induction burners. And this is, uh, my gosh, maybe up to 15 years ago. This is a long time ago. It's a form of electric cooktop. But as Mark said, it's not by the transfer of heat. So there aren't any coils that get hot. There's not a glass surface that gets hot to transfer that heat to your pan. As Mark said, it's magnets. So what happens is, under that glass cooktop, there's magnetic forces are built, and those magnetic... It sounds suddenly like, you know, uh, some superhero movie, yeah. magnetic forces. And those magnetic forces actually heat up the metal of your pan. Right. And that's what... So the pan actually heats, and what's wonderful is there's no heat lost to the environment, right? Right. So 100% of that energy goes in to the pan. And so it heats much faster than electric coils or gas flames. Right. In fact, I I just read an article about how electric cars like Tesla and the Volt and other big electric cars are in for a challenge within the next decade because magnetic cars are supposed to be the next wave. And while, of course, magnetic cars will run on electricity, the engine is different completely, even from a Tesla, from an electric car. If you've ever been on a roller coaster that starts at a dead stop and goes immediately up a hill, that's happening through magnet transfer. And it's happening through magnetic transference. And that's kind of how induction cooking works kind of there in other words there's no uh, what do I, what we say there's no flame as Bruce says there's no transfer directly of heat instead you basically have to have a pot that can respond to a magnet. So if a magnet can stick under your pot, you're good to go. If a magnet can't stick under your pot, it doesn't work on an induction burner. So you have to have a, a pot that can uh, you know, hold a magnet, and then the heat actually builds under the pan. People say that induction burners don't get hot. Well, that's crap. I can tell you that that is not the truth. They do get hot because the pan gets hot, and the glass of the burner does get hot. Does it get 
it as hot as a gas stove or an electric stove coil? No, but it does get hot. And I have made a bad mistake once because I was told on cruise ships that the burners don't get hot. And I actually put my hand down during a cooking demonstration near the burner. And it was it didn't burn me, but it was distinctly hot. I jumped back very fast. What they mean when they say it doesn't get hot, as we said earlier, it doesn't create heat, right? That induction burner creates no heat, but it does create heat in the pot and, and so that heat, heat is transferred back yeah, yeah there's a transfer sorry there's a transfer back the other direction yes. from the pot to the surface of the thing now it doesn't admittedly it's a glass top so it doesn't stay hot for more than a minute i mean that thing is cooled back down to room temperature within cool quickly it's very fast when bruce and i have shot videos for our youtube channel cooking with bruce and mark we have sometimes shot them on induction burners because it's easy we can get a camera in our space uh, we don't have to then shoot into our stove which is always difficult with a camera and you know because of all the chrome and all that kind of stuff and the glare back and all that stuff so we've shot a lot of it you can go out to cooking with bruce and mark on youtube and you can see us cooking on on portable induction burners. This is what I want to say before we talk about the pros and cons about them. I love them so much that I have always said that if Bruce and I redo our kitchen again, God forbid we did it once, but let's never do it again. (laughs) Um, But if we ever do it again, I am going to take the stove out completely and I'm going to have wall ovens or built-in rack ovens the way they have in a professional kitchen. And then I want to have a center island with induction burners that I can pull out, plug in, a big hood over this central island and i just cook basically on the induction burner on a giant let's say butcher block center island that's what i want in a future kitchen so i'm all in for induction there are a lot of pros and cons for induction burners and i want to tell you that i really do believe these are the wave of the future and i really do believe that natural gas is getting more and more expensive it's getting more and more difficult to extract there's all kinds of reasons and some environmental reasons why natural gas isn't necessarily the best alternative then i think that that electric cooktops are inefficient. The old coil electric oh, cooktops so much are heat is so inefficient. Yes. This is probably the wave of the future, and probably your grandkids will only know induction cooking, if not something else even beyond. I don't know what, thermonuclear cooking by that point. But They're it, just going to have Star Trek replicators. Yeah. Oh, gross. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Anyway, so yes, or what, what did she call it on... The Jetsons, she had a menu-o-mater or the menu-o-metro. What was it? And she, it had a menu on it. And she And what was her name? George Jetson's wife? What's her Jane. name? Ju- Jane. Jane, his, his wife. His wife, Jane, right. And she would push a button that, like, said hamburger on the menu-o-matic or something like that. It must have been an omatic. Everything in the Jetsons was an omatic. <laughs> this reminds me that I have to say that I have been down a really weird Twitter and internet thread recently, and that is this notion that actually the Flintstones is set in a future beyond the Jetsons, and it's set in a post-apocalyptic future in which all they can remember is mid-20th century technology, which is why they try to have cars and why they celebrate Christmas. Believe it or not, there are entire crowds of people on the internet who argue this about where it went exactly in the post-apocalyptic future the Flintstones are set. Oh, I, I thought that. it was the same time as the Jetsons, that the Jetsons were in the 
cloud cities above the earth. That is and one the theory. Flintstones are down below. That's one theory. And there's the reason that's a theory is because there's a crossover episode where the Flintstones go to the Jetsons. And there's actually apparently Oh, a Hannah cro- and Barbara. <laughs> you oh, anyway. are crazy. Okay, so sorry. Let's so, uh, enough about the Flintstones. So, okay, pros and cons. So, what are the pros of induction burners? First thing is it boils water up to 50% faster because you don't have any of that heat loss, right? Right. All of that energy goes directly into your pot and water will boil that much faster. And I can tell you, while I haven't actually timed out water, I can tell you from working on induction burners, both here in our house and on the ships, I can tell you that oil heats up much faster. In the old days when we would do cooking demos like on gas cooktops or even on electric cooktops in cooking schools, you know, I would put the oil in the pan and then I would talk. I learned on the ship that I had to talk and then put the oil in the pan because it overheats almost instantly. Yep. Everything is faster because there's no energy loss. Yep, really fast. And the induction burners, most of them are super precision controlled. And this is a point I think that is hard for some people. It's hard if you're a novice cook or a moderately good cook, even people I know who are great cooks. This is the problem is many induction burners you have to actually set to a temperature. Yep. You set the burner to 350, to 300, to 250, to 400. You set it to come to a temperature in the pot. And I think that that's so wild. Wild for many people who are just used to low, medium, and high on their gas burners. And that's or the high end stuff. You could there yeah. are induction burners that just give you numbers one through ten, and those are your heat levels. Yep. We have one that's a portable one here that actually you have a choice of putting a number in that you want to heat the pan to two hundred degrees, four hundred degrees, or they have weird settings that say low, simmer, sear brown, and I don't know what the difference between brown and sear is, but clearly the manufacturer believes yeah, and each one of those is the preset temperature, so that's the other thing. And, and I, well, when I worked on that, that burner that we have here at home, I had to kind of adjust my brain and brain and listen i yeah i've written a lot of cookbooks and i i have been around food a lot in my life and i had to kind of adjust my brain to think it's not so much turning it up or down that's kind of intuitive you can see what's happening in the pot and if you need less heat it's the initial setting i can remember hesitating like wait a minute 200 isn't that already pretty high but of course you know if you set a mm, copper skillet over a medium-high heat flame, you know the surface of that skillet is going to get up 400 degrees, it is, 425. And that, and that may take a few minutes, whereas in an induction burner, it's just going to take a few seconds. And right. the other pro I like about them is they are very easy to clean surfaces. Super easy. And because those surfaces stay cooler and they only build up heat back from the pan, right? They don't create the heat themselves. When you spill something, and we all spill things, right. it doesn't instantly burn and sizzle and become a big mess. Yeah. See, I mean, this is why I want a center island. I want a big hood over the island. And then I just want four or six induction burners that sit on shelves under the island. And I just pull them out and plug them in when I need them, cook on that center island. And that's it. I think it's kind of a brilliant wave of the future. I also think I would never sell my house at that point to <laughs> anyone. Want a stove. People do want to see a big stove. But I think it is all part of what's the wave of the future. But we should say that there are some cons with induction burners and some problems with it. And I've already mentioned one, and that is the learning curve. Mm-hmm. I have I've mentioned twice that I had to learn that I can't talk. And, you know, put the oil in and then talk in a cooking demo. Basically, I put the oil in when I'm ready to cook. 
And I, you know, again, I hesitated a bit on the temperature problem. You have to think about when you first learned how to cook, in general, no matter who you are, you looked at a gas flame if you learned on gas, and you saw how low a flame was, how high, yeah. and you, you had to really learn what that meant. So you're going to have to learn to cook again, and it's it's that's something not everybody wants to do. Right. And we should say that the cost is higher than even standard electric coils. These things run a lot of electricity. Now, if you have taken advantage of the recent solar programs <laughs> in the United States, and if you are running your house on solar, then you are gold. And this is part of what I keep thinking, is that basically we need to convert our house, our roof, to solar panels, and then we need to run induction burners. We need to basically swap our heater over from propane to electric baseboards. And we're basically running off our solar panels. But if you're just on the grid, as most of us are, if you're on the grid, these do pull a lot of electricity. And they cost more in the beginning to even buy them, which yep. is a problem. Yep. And as Mark said earlier, not all pots will heat up. So if you have aluminum pots, those are not going to work because a magnet wouldn't stick to them. So a no. magnet, a magnetic field won't interact to heat them up. So the only way to know for sure is make sure when you buy your pots, they say will work with induction or bring a magnet to the store if you're buying new stuff or just go buy a small magnet and stick them to every one of your pots. If it sticks, it'll work on an induction. Yeah, and I have heard, and I don't actually know that this is the truth, so I, I'm going to tell you something that I haven't done any research on, but I have heard that copper pots with tinned line are a problem. Yeah, on it has induction to be. Burners. Yeah, there, there has to be it's, steel somewhere in there. The other thing that is both a con and you can sort of get over it with a learning curve is the fact that it only heats whatever pan you're using only heats when contact is being made with the surface. So if you're used to a gas stove where you could pick up your skillet and you could pick up your wok and you could toss it around and the heat is still hitting the bottom, you have to rethink the way you cook mm. because heat will only be generated in your pan right. when it is flat on the surface making contact. Yeah, now the pan stays hot. You know, like if you were going to pick something up, let's say you were getting really chefy and you were going to pick a skillet up off the burner and flip things in the skillet. You know, you, I don't know what you got. You got a bunch of snow peas in there, and you're going to flip them in the skillet. This, this, the skillet's going to stay residually hot. But as Bruce says, the minute it releases from the induction burner, it stops being hot. It now starts instantly cooling down. It's like turning off your flame. Imagine if every time you picked up your skillet off of a gas stove, like the second you picked it off the grates, you turned off the flame. That's kind of what's happening in an induction. The second yep. you put it back, the power goes back on. So you have to really learn how to do that. Yeah, you have to learn to cook in the pan without picking the pan up, moving the pan, etc. And I should say that the pan is hot. And in my dream kitchen with an island and induction burners, there would have to be a tiled part of that island or something where I could set a hot pan down. Because right. if I just pick a hot pan up off an induction burner, I can't set it down on a butcher block. I'll burn the butcher block. Yep, that's true. I'll leave a mark. So that's it would true. have to have some kind of tiled surface that could withstand heat. You should also know that induction burners can create a buzzing sound in the heating mode. And we've discovered this, Bruce and I have, because we have fairly nice portable induction burners for video shooting. But 
uh, they we've discovered they make a noise on camera, and they really do. I mean, it, you can hear it in the microphone. You it's can. buzzing. And I honestly don't know if that buzz gets less the, if you go even higher end. I have a feeling they buzz no matter what, because when we are on the ships, yep. those buzz. So they perhaps buzz. in the future that technology will improve and they'll buzz less, but that's, you know, that's a problem. And then one of the really weird things is because they have magnetic fields, if you have a digital meat thermometer, yep. it can interfere with giving you an accurate reading. So you need to go back to analog thermometers. And there is some anecdotal evidence online to suggest that they can interfere with the operation of iPads and iPhones and smartphones. If you get too close to them with your iPhone, it is possible. So there's anecdotal evidence to suggest that they can disrupt the fields around your iPhone. People claim to have lost data. Now, I think the only way you lost data on your phone was that you actually touched your phone to the magnetic surface on the pan. But I don't know. I, I, don't I can't know. say. And I, I, I can't say. do not know how these magnetic fields interact with implants like pacemakers. So or brain since implants I don't or know that, Parkinson's brain you implants. should consult your doctor if you have any of these devices before you start cooking with induction. Before we get to our one-minute cooking tip, let me remind you that it would be great if you could subscribe to this podcast. If you're enjoying these kinds of conversations, we are grateful that you're on this journey with us. And if you could subscribe, that would be great. If you could give us a rating, that would be greater. If you could write a review, that would be greatest. All you have to do is drop down on the Audible or Apple menu, and you'll see a little uh, line that says write a review. Click that. A review window will open up. You can even just say great podcast, and that would help us greatly because we are unsupported in what we are doing. We're doing it for the sheer love of talking about food with you, and it would be great to be able to help the analytics along. Thank you for that, but mostly thank you for being on this podcast with us. Okay, up next, our one-minute cooking tip. If you cook with dried chilies, and I do a lot because I make a lot of Indian food and Chinese food, here's a little tip. Snip the stem end off of the dried chili. Use a chopstick or a toothpick to scrape out the seeds. You will have a tamer chili. You'll get rid of some of the heat, and it'll allow you to really taste the fruity flavor of that chili. Yeah, I think that that's a really good tip, especially using like a chopstick or a toothpick to scrape out those seeds from the top. It's an easy way. Then you just turn it upside down over the garbage can, and you can let them go. I sometimes tear the dried chilies, but you end up with them with shards and fragments that it's... That, that, Yum. I know, but <laughs> sometimes those shards and fragments are so great. Sometimes you want the full dried chili in there, and a toothpick will do the trick. Up next, our segment about a TikTok trend that has become something of a fascinating love-hate relationship online. We're going to talk about butterboards. Now, we all know what charcuterie boards are. We all know what cheese boards are, yeah. right? But yeah. this is a 
butterboard. So Mark first told me about it, and I assumed, just like charcuterie, where there's a bunch of dried meats, that you just had a bunch of butters you taste. And he said, no, that's not what it is. No, it isn't what it is. This trend started with one TikTok influencer who began the idea of a butterboard. It has become so popular that within a couple weeks of its going viral, it's now been on NBC, it's been on ABC, it's been on The Washington Post, it's everywhere these butterboards. So here's the deal. You buy some really fine butter, and I don't mean just, you know, standard supermarket butter. I mean buy some nice cultured butter. You bring it to room temperature. You then spread it, a thin layer of it, on a board. Now, I've seen a couple now recent mimic butterboards in which, to me, they're putting way too much butter on this wooden board. You spread it on the board, and then you top it with Everything your heart desires from tapenade to leafy herbs to flowers to pickled onions to raw sliced onions to sliced shallots to olives, whatever you like, you do. And then people tear off pieces of bread and drag it through the butter. I would advise a lot of crunchy sea salt, drag it through the butter and apparently just eat butter on their bread. (laughs) Well, it's an interesting appetizer and first course or something with drinks. And what I've seen that is pretty standard, as Mark said, is flower petals, both dried and fresh. And I'm learning about lots of flowers I didn't know you can eat. Yes, nasturtiums. We always knew that. I've learned that mum leaves are edible, that certain types of lilies are edible. And so go to your supermarket and look for edible flowers there. Don't go out to your garden unless you know for sure. Don't. Don't go down to your garden. Things have peed on your flowers. <laughs> Probably you, me if I'm you, around. You may have peed on your flowers. <laughs> like, no, don't. Your dog, your cat, raccoons. No. And there's been fertilizer, and you've even fertilized. Even if you fertilize with just, let's say, miracle Grow, you ought not to eat those flowers. And when Mark says spread the butter, he's not talking about spreading it thinly like you would on a piece of toast. Mm. He's talking about spreading it out like you might imagine if it was hummus, right? Right? where you really wanted to get some. You're going for like a nice, thick, but not too thick coating so that when you swipe your bread through, you want to make sure you've got a good teaspoon or two of butter on that piece of bread. Yeah, I'm kind of actually, I have to tell you that I am really intrigued with this and I'm really intrigued with trying it. I think that it would be a gross out factor for some people. I think Even people who like butter on bread would look at that and think, wait a minute, how much fat am I about to eat? And I think there would be a gross-out factor. But listen, a fried mozzarella stick has more (laughs) butter. You know, my thing is that I said to Bruce the other day, isn't it interesting that if you handed me four mozzarella sticks just out of the fridge, out of the fridge, you know, in the plastic wrapper, I'd be like, oh, gosh, who can eat four mozzarella sticks? But when you bread them and deep fry them, ah, four easy, four <laughs> dipped in marinara, no problem. So anyway, you would eat more fat eating fried mozzarella sticks. And I think that there would be a bit of a gross out factor. But if you just think about all the beautiful things you could cover it with. Well, that's sliced, what it's about, of right? course. Sliced green olives, crunchy salt. Julienne radishes. Julienne radishes is beautiful peppers of various kinds, not just black pepper, but Urfa Bieber and other kinds of ground peppers. Sichuan peanuts. You mm. can put Sichuan peanuts on it. You could put chili crisp on it. Mm. You, there's so many. Chili crisp and butter. There are so many different ways you could do this. I can imagine a butterboard with chili crisp, 
butter and then kind of, uh, you know, water chestnuts and bamboo shoots and scallions all chopped pea up, pea shoots, peanuts, all that on top of the butter. And, oh, man, I think that would be unbelievable. I do think, again... There would be some gross out factor from some people who would be like, wait a minute, I can't just eat butter, can I? But eat butter on bread. I saw a video this morning. I told Mark about it that some woman was doing a butter board in a TikTok video and she was using the Trader Joe's vegan butter substitute. No. Okay, now we're no. And now she we're, claims we're that you hard can't no. even tell it's not butter. Okay, we're just a hard no. I want a good Irish, French. Margarine. I uh, want to have a margarine no. board. Before your flesh of a meal. I want a spry board. Oh, cr- Crisco board. Oh, a Crisco board. Oh, God. Yum. No. Okay, no. I mean really fine butter. What if we had a lard board, no. a bacon fat board, a no. schmaltz board? No, we're not going to have a schmaltz board. And you covered it with frizzled onions? Okay, enough. <laughs> So I'm making a schmaltz board. Uh, great. You enjoy your schmaltz board. You take it to bed and have fun with it. <laughs> um, but that That's our thoughts on the latest TikTok trend. I can't wait to try it. We can't wait to make fun of it. Up next in our podcast, what's making us happy in food this week? Our traditional ending for our podcast. What's making you happy in food this week? Champagne. Champagne's always <laughs> making me happy. But particularly now, last night, was our 26th anniversary it work was. and I've been together 26 years it we had was. friends come over to celebrate I grilled about 18 pounds of T-bones for the six of us mm. and they brought champagne and more champagne and more champagne mm. and it was yeasty and delicious and toasty and cold and bubbly and mm-hmm. I loved it mm-hmm. what's making me happy in food this week are the jalapeno poppers from our new book the instant air fryer bible out in uh, November, but you don't have to actually wait till that book comes out. Go ahead to our YouTube channel, Cooking with Bruce and Mark, and you can see me make these jalapeno poppers. They are amazing. What are they stuffed with? You stuff these because you, this can't be deep fried, right? So it's got to be made for an air fryer. So you make pimento cheese. You stuff fresh jalapenos with pimento cheese. You dip it in egg. You dip it in breadcrumbs and then you fry it. We served these last night at our anniversary party and I have to say they were mowed through. (laughs) They They were like gone in five seconds. These air fried jalapeno poppers. They are spicy, delicious, cheesy. Mm, perfect. I love air fried jalapeno poppers. Okay, so that's the podcast this week. We talked about induction burners. I gave you a tip on how to get rid of them in the heat and chilies. We talked about butter boards. We talked about champagne and poppers. And there's a lot more to talk about, which we will cover in the coming weeks on Cooking with Bruce and Mark. So we will see you back here next week, every Monday. That's the drop. See you here next week. 